You're listening to a podcast from Reality Honolulu. For more information or ways to get involved in the life of the church, visit realityhonolulu.com. Thanks for listening. I'm going to be reading out of Matthew chapter 2, the narrative of Christ's birth. We, we, we heard um, Selah read out of Luke, but also in the book of Matthew, we have the description of the birth of Christ. It's on the PowerPoint for you. Matthew 2, 1 through 11 says, Jesus was born in Bethlehem in Judea during the king, or excuse me, during the reign of King Herod. About that time, some wise men from eastern lands arrived in Jerusalem asking, where is the newborn king of the Jews? We saw his star as it rose and we've come to worship him. King Herod was deeply disturbed when he heard this, and he asked everyone in Jerusalem. He called a meeting of the leading priests and teachers of religious law and said, where is the Messiah supposed to be born? In Bethlehem, in Judea, they said, for this is what the prophet wrote. And you, O Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, are not least among the ruling cities of Judah. For a ruler will come from you who will be the shepherd for my people Israel. Then Herod called for a private meeting with the wise men, and he learned from them the time when the first star appeared. Then they told him, go to Bethlehem and search carefully for the child. And when you find him, come back to me and tell, tell me so that I can go and worship him too. After this interview, the wise men went their way, and the star they had seen in the east guided them to Bethlehem. It went ahead of them and stopped over the place where the child was. When they saw the star, they were filled with joy. They entered the house and saw the child with his mother Mary. They bowed down and worshipped him. And they opened their treasure chest and they gave him gifts of gold, frankincense, and myrrh. This is the story of Jesus, right? The birth of the Son of God, the promised Messiah or the Savior of the world. This is the the birth of Jesus, and this is why we celebrate Christmas, is this is what happened. This is the reason why we celebrate. But the climate, or, or what was happening in Israel in that time, was that they were under just these oppressive and really evil rulers. The Roman Empire was oppressing Israel at the time, in the first century. So this is like almost 2,000 years ago, long time ago, in Israel, there was this king called King Herod. And we see here that he was greatly disturbed because at that time, he was like the king of the lands. He was like the ruling authority in that region. And he was very much opposed to Jesus and the spread of Christianity. And so you could say that times were tough. It was hard to live in Israel at that time, especially uh, come the birth of Christ and the spread of Christianity. Israel was being oppressed politically, financially, socially, and religiously. But prior to that, it was also happening. So even farther back in time, 700 years prior to that, Israel was also in trouble. They were about to be invaded by these guys called the Assyrians. They were about to, to become exiled away from the promised land. 
Again, this is 700 years before King Herod and the Roman Empire. The Assyrian Empire was about to attack. But we see in the book of Isaiah that God prophesied through the prophet Isaiah, and he foretold of Jesus' birth. So 700 years prior to this story that we just read about Jesus being born of Mary in a manger, 700 years before that, the prophet Isaiah spoke that one day in the midst of this oppressive empire, in the midst of exile, in the midst of trial and tribulation and hardships, that there would be hope that would come. That one day that, that God would send his son and that one day a savior would be born. God gave them a promise and God gave them hope. We see that in Isaiah chapter 9, verse 6. This is 700 years before the manger. It says, for to us a child is born, for to us a son is given, and the government will be upon his shoulders, and he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, and Prince of Peace. That's a description of Jesus hundreds of years before it happened. And so the birth of Jesus that we just read about brought tremendous hope to Israel, right? Their, their ancestors, their grandparents, and their great-grandparents over centuries had been hoping that this would happen one day, that a Savior would be, be born, and it happened. It happened in a little obscure town called Bethlehem. A, a baby was born. Emmanuel, God with us, and it brought tremendous hope to Israel, right? Prophecy was fulfilled. And then as we see Jesus grow up, when he got to about 30 years old, he began to do miracles and heal people and heal every kind of sickness. And Jesus was performing only things that the Messiah could perform, only things that God himself could do, like heal the blind and heal the mute and raise people from the dead. I mean, Jesus was doing these things, and it was adding more hope to humanity. And what we see in the person of Jesus is the healing power and the saving grace and the unconditional mercy towards humanity. Jesus brings hope to the world. Fast forward 2,000 years to right now, in the world that we live in right now. And if, and if you look around us, I would say that we live in a more complicated, more evil and hopeless time than ever. Right, you turn on the news, you read a newspaper, you get, you get notifications on your iPhone over and over, day after day, of just bad things that are happening in this world. Right, just this stuff that's happening that's, that's, that breaks our heart, that, that makes us sorrowful, that there's people in our lives that are, um, that are hurting in some way. But the world is like really broken and really evil, and there's just so many bad things that happen. And I think that we can all say that what the world needs more than ever is hope. Like what the world needs now in 2017 more than ever is hope, a hope that will change things, 
right? Hope that, that evil will stop or that good will prevail or just hoping that something different comes. Doesn't matter what country you're from, what language you speak or how old you are, you could probably say that the world needs to change. Needs to get better. Needs to the, the evil needs to be done away with, and good needs to come. The world needs hope. And again, re- regardless of religion or faith, hope for the world being healed is what we all want. I think that's what we can all agree on. And the thing is, just this idea of hope is a powerful thing. I mean, that's that's really what carries us through hardship. Right? Someone in your family gets sick or gets diagnosed with a disease or something happens, you're hoping that they are healed. You're hoping that it gets better, that you're hoping that things change. Or right, there's something um, happens in your family or if it's financial problems or if it's just family drama or if there's larger scale things in the world, hope is the thing that will carry us through. Like it's, hope is kind of in a lot of ways why we can get up sometimes in the morning. We hope that it'll change. It won't always be like this or something may come that's better. Right in the midst of tragedy, the hope of being over gets you through. Hope is an incredibly powerful thing, this idea of hope. So much so that even, it's what makes movies good. Like a good story always starts with, you know, some kind of, tragedy or problem or crisis, right? And you're kind of hooked. You're like, I don't know what's going to happen. And the whole story is hinged on like the hope of someone winning or the war being over or, you know, the character coming out in the, you know, ahead or whatever. Star Wars does this really well. I'm not like a Star Wars geek, so I'm probably going to get some things wrong. But because say the first Star Wars, so episode four, A New Hope, so like the first one made, but I know not the first one, okay, order-wise, for you Star Wars people in here. Even if you haven't seen Star Wars, a line from that movie, you probably know. It's like when Princess Leia says to Obi-Wan Kenobi, like, Obi-Wan Kenobi, you're our only hope. I don't even know if I got that right. Is that the, is that the, is that the, is that the line? But the whole premise of the whole series is like based upon hope. Like, you know, the light side over, you know, overcoming the dark side. And there's this tension and there's this battle going on. And there's always hope. Even in like one of the recent ones, Rogue One, I think it was. Okay. Jin, right? They're going up and they're like, hey, can we like battle the Death Star, right? Or get the plans? I don't know. Honestly, I don't know. (laughs) But one of the main lines is rebellions are based off of hope. Like she's given this big speech and everybody's doubting that they can do it. And she says, we have hope. Rebellions are based off hope. And that's this big catalyst for we can do it. My point is, is that hope is what we have in this world. I mean, it's a powerful thing. It's something that we dramatize. It's something that that we hold on to. Hope of all kinds is what the world looks for. What Christmas or the birth of Jesus is and what it signifies is a perfect, powerful, and eternal hope for all of humanity, past, present, and future. Like Jesus is our hope. He's actually humanity's greatest hope. Not Obi-Wan Kenobi. Sorry. Jesus has come and is coming to restore all things and make all things right one day. 
Scripture would, would tell, of a, tell of that, that one day Jesus will come back, his second coming. His first coming is what we celebrate today or tomorrow, Christmas. But his second coming, it says that one day Jesus will come back and he will wipe away all the tears, all the pain. He'll make everything right and he'll make everything perfect as God intended it. And a large part of Christianity is based off the hope that things will change. That we have a God that entered humanity that gives us this hope for what is to come. That one day he will make all things right. Whether humanity will say it or not, Jesus is the answer to all the problems. <laughs> like of this world. Like, hey, how can we make the world better? How can we stop this? How can we change the world? Jesus, he is the answer. He is the deep, final hope that we are all longing for. And so for many of us in this room, the reason why we come to a Christmas Eve service as a, as a, as a church is that Jesus is that hope for you. So during Christmas, you're reminded of his birth and the significance of what that leads us to. And we celebrate and we rejoice Jesus because what that does for all of humanity and what that's done for us personally. And so when we sing songs during Christmas time of like joy to the world and come let us adore him, it's way more than just a tradition for us. It's way more than just a nice jingle that we hear on the radio. It should be, and, it, and it's supposed to be coming from a deep, personal, close knowledge of the hope that we have in Jesus. And so when we sing like joy to the world, we're joyful that the world has received an eternal hope and that we have experienced it firsthand. For those of us in here that that. Don't, don't believe it, don't have faith in Jesus in the same way. What I want to tell you is that God, through the sacrifice of his son Jesus on the cross, that would happen 33 years about after his birth, is a free gift to all humanity. Like everyone has this gift. Everyone has the free gift of God in Jesus Christ to receive that hope for yourself. Like that's why he came and that's why he was born and that's why he went to the cross and that's why he's died so that humanity could have a present and a future hope in God. And if there's one truth that we can cling to in this world when we, when we experience Jesus, it's... Paul, Paul, the, Paul the Apostle would, would write this one phrase, this one verse in his letter to believers, to Christians scattered abroad from religious persecution. So what happened was is that um, the Roman Empire and others were persecuting Christians for their faith, for their belief in Jesus, and they were scattered abroad. And Paul the Apostle wrote this letter to them, and he said this in the book of Hebrews. Speaking of our hope in Christ, he said, this hope we have is an anchor of the soul, a hope both sure and steadfast. And the truth is that Jesus Christ is the only hope that is an anchor to our souls. It's the only hope that is sure and steadfast. 
Other things that we hope for and hope in don't necessarily have any foundation to them. We're just hoping. Hope is just hope. It's just a thought. It's just a thing. We just want it to be different. But when we hope in Jesus, there's real results and there's real truth and there's real grounding in it. That despite the chaos or confusion or calamity that fills our world, Christ is our anchor in which we stand and in him we have an eternal So Christmas, what Christmas is, is it marks the day when the world received our greatest hope. That hope is Jesus Christ, born of Mary, in the manger in the little town called Bethlehem. On Christmas, we received humanity's greatest hope in the person of Jesus Christ. And so, we're going to spend the rest of the service, I'm going to stop talking, And we're going to praise, we're going to worship, we're going to sing the songs that we always do, but let it be out of a personal, intimate place, knowing that it's Jesus who we worship and it's hope that we have in him. Amen? Amen. God, we thank you for the gift of your son in the person of Jesus Christ. That you sent into this fallen world so that we could know him, we could believe in him, and that we could experience hope once again. This world is in need of your hope, Father. We pray that you'd continue to go forth and that your hope and your joy and your peace would penetrate hearts. But today, as we celebrate your birth, we ask that as we worship you now, you would get all the glory and all the praise because your name is worthy of it. You are worthy of worship, Father. Thank you that in you we have a present and a future hope.